Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast. Joining me, Ian Doyle, today we've got Christian Walsh, who was at the game yesterday between Liverpool and Watford. We've got our LFC editor, Andy Kelly, and our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. James, we'll start with you. Watford, (coughs) 6-1, couldn't really have gone much better, could it? No, it couldn't. No, I think, um, you know, opportunity not for Liverpool, didn't it, really, with obviously uh, Arsenal and Tottenham drawing City dropping points as well that 24 hours earlier um you know a big opportunity to go top you know would they choke would they take it um you know the answer was pretty emphatic um you know after a, a slowish start probably the first 10 15 minutes was a bit error strewn um but once they started to click they absolutely blew Watford away and um you know it was 6 could easily have been 10 um and you think Sturridge could have ended up walking off with the match ball the chances he had after he came on, um, and just a, another hugely positive afternoon for for the club. You know, I think I thought from front to back they excelled. No weak links, nobody being carried, um, and uh, yeah, I think it it just fueled the the belief which has has grown pretty much from that that opening day of the season. Andy, what's your feeling on the emotions around Liverpool at the moment? What do you think their beliefs like? How do you, how do you think that they think they're playing? I think that they think they're playing really well, but I think they get confidence from every time they, you know they score. And uh, yesterday, when you saw the, that first fifteen minutes, James was talking about they they were a wee bit nervous. I thought, and they certainly you know I think I tweeted halfway through that period, sort of like Liverpool not really at this yet. So you think they had fifteen minutes of not being at it, and then as soon as that. Uh, you know, they sort of worked out that back three of Watford, started finding space, um, started creating chances. I mean, I think Klopp said afterwards, you know, the most chances we created were before we scored. And, you know, obviously a massive one for Lucas that I think um, would have brought the house down if he'd actually managed to score it. But um, they're playing, um, you know, every time they do something good, um, it's building and building. And the highlight for me yesterday was how simple some of the, the finishes were the two goals, the, the Firmino goal and the Mane goal were very, very simple, but but they're very simple when you've practised it loads and loads as to knowing where uh, your mate in the middle should be and at what time you should play the pass and how you should cross it so that it goes through the defender's legs. You know, these are, these are skills. You know, they don't go through the defender's legs by, uh, by accident. So, you know, the, it's massively positive. I haven't heard anyone say anything you know, negative. Even losing the clean sheet was, you know, I don't think anyone was bothered yesterday. Saying so Christian, Andy mentioned then about the the goals. Obviously, there was Coutinho's goal, which was a, a great strike. But as Andy said, a lot of the goals were just literally tap-ins from not very far out. And is that is that the sign of a team? As, as Andy's suggesting that has been so well drilled that they know where everybody is. Definitely, and... that that that's the sign of a good team. I remember a couple of seasons ago. I think it was under. Might have been Kenny in the 2011-12 season and, and Liverpool just didn't create those sorts of chances. Liverpool didn't score tap-ins. I remember they, they, they scored, I think it was 54 league goals overall in that season and there was a fair few, you know, Suarez from the from the halfway line and, 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 and those sorts of efforts to Carroll Road. And it's it, the, all the best teams not necessarily walk the ball into the goal but create chances and these are good chances. You think about Liverpool's goals this season, the 30 that they've scored... In the in the league and yeah, including the, the ones against the in the AFL Cup as well. I think that takes it to forty now. 
you, you think about all of those goals, such a high proportion are coming from within 12 yards. It's un- unreal. Obviously, there's the penalties, which are obviously from 12 yards. But you think about uh, Coutinho's goal, you think uh, at Arsenal, you think about uh, Lallana's goal at Arsenal, you think about... Sturridge against Leicester. I'm just reading them off the top of my head here. You think about uh, Lovren against Chelsea. You think about Mane against West Brom, and obviously a, a, a fair few against um, against uh, Watford as well on Sunday. These are good chances. If they're, they're creating good chances, they're not just creating chances, but they are creating genuine guilt-edged opportunities, and that's why they're scoring so many goals. They're not playing the percentages here. That they, they, they are creating chances, which. Good teams will finish, so it's 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 a real sort of combination that that's seen <coughs> Liverpool scoring so many goals at the moment. James, the other reason that they're scoring quite a lot of goals is because if you if you tally that with the fact you know you've got Jordan Henderson and Mane and people like that <coughs> pulling ones out the top draw, they've got the quality as individuals and they've got the quality as as a team. As, as Christian just said, then they've scored thirty goals in uh, I think it's eleven games. If you compare that to the eighty seven eighty eight season, they'd scored thirty one. By uh, by this time, I'm not saying that they're kind of the same team, but they've got the same kind of vibrancy going forward, haven't they? Yeah, it was interesting. I was speaking to John Aldridge this morning to, to do his echo column, and um, he, he made that comparison, saying that he said, you, you know, watching that game on Sunday, he, he could see parallels with that team in 80, 87, 88. Um, he said, you know, especially the front four and the and the damage that they did to teams. He said, you know, the same kind of, you know, we, they, he said that you know, back then they had flexible positions, the pace, the movement, the interplay, he said, was similar. Um, he said, you know, the big difference was that back then, you know, he was the out-and-out goal scorer in that team. Um, while now, you know, Liverpool have essentially got four bona fide match winners in that in that front four. I mean, I, it's, it, was, it was a struggle having written the stuff at the end of the game yesterday, trying to work out a man of the match, because... You were you were thinking. I think I gave it to Coutinho in the end, just because I, I just thought again, like he was just on another planet. But then, when you watch the highlights back, you think, God, I, you know, how good was Firmino yesterday? How good was Lalana? You know, didn't score, but but two put two goals absolutely on on the on the plate. Um, you know, and and Mane, just you know, what, what an absolute revelation he's been. You know, what he has added to this Liverpool team has been sensational with you know the, the the pace and the and the movement and the and the finishing quality i mean you know the header he made look so easy yesterday and again the movement as christian said you know it looks very easy that goal but how clever Firmino was shrugging off the defender waiting waiting for the run from Mane and then, and then giving it to him and you know that's what makes this liverpool team so difficult to stop at the moment is because they can they can hurt you from from so many different positions and so many different angles um, Given Mane's goal, was it a slight surprise to find that that's the first headed goal he'd scored in in Premier League in the Premier League history, or well, in in his Premier League history, and not as I called it in the office yesterday, the first header he'd had. <laughs> I'd imagine he's had a, a few more than that. Are you surprised by that, with the way he took it away? Well, well, yeah, he didn't he didn't look like it was his first one, did he? The way that he did it, but then when what is he about four foot tall, so he's not going to well, score. He's, he's still towering over you, though, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, 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 he is. Um, but um, such the Garcia's <laughs> also wasn't it against Anderlecht? It's sort of he had a nice little leap and he sort of you know pinged it into the top corner. Wasn't it from like the edge of the area? Garcia, it was, but actually. but you know let's let's just let's just go with that anyway. <laughs> Small lads got his head on the ball. It was the, that's the thing about Liverpool at the moment. The, the players are obviously well drilled, and I think I said the phrase to you in at Anfield yesterday of uh, organised chaos. In terms of it all looks very well drilled, um, but at the same time there's there's this element of surprise that. Any player at any point could do something absolutely mental in a good way. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me at some point to see Nathaniel Klein, P- 
ping one from 35 yards because he's capable of doing that. I wouldn't surprise me to see James <coughs> Milner going on a slaloming run, beating about four people and putting one into the bottom corner. These All these players, you look at Henderson and Stamford Bridge, these players have got something in the locker that not even, I don't think, the opposition is expecting. And Mane showed that again yesterday. The, you know, Sadio Mane rising like a, a, you know, the proverbial salmon out of the river and... and, and and nodding home, who knew, who knew has, we could do has, that? Has but... anyone actually seen a Salmon score on Ebo's header? Has anyone seen that ever? No, Ian, no. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been surprised B- if B- we'd Billy the yes. Fish does not count. Connor, Connor, Connor Salmon for Wigan. Very good, oh, very good very there. Good. Very good. But, no, Ian, there's, there's a brilliant uh, little section in Klopp's biography um, which has got him talking about what, what's his favourite goal ever. And it's one that, uh, from memory, I think it was Shinji Kagawi obviously went to United afterwards, scored for Dortmund. But um, the reason he absolutely loves the goal is that, I um, can't remember the other players involved, but basically um, somebody's put through, he pulls it back, someone's exactly where they should be, he hits it, it hits the post, but somebody is at, uh, in front of the post where he should be to pick up the rebound and slot it. Such a clop and answer, it's, it? you know, it's <laughs> so that's that's what it's about. It, it, you know, it's about knowing where you should be on the pitch and at what stage. And this whole, you know, if you're if you're not, uh, you know, if you're not in the attack, you're providing protection and all those sorts of things. And how how brilliant was Jordan Henderson yesterday? By the way, I mean his the timing of where he he would arrive in to try and win balls, step in front intercept where he was on the pitch getting back to help when required just thought it was one of his um, and I was on analysis from Anfield yesterday and I couldn't sort of because there was so much else to talk about I couldn't quite squeeze him in and I, I actually went home feeling a bit guilty about it because he was, he was I'm, I'm sure he's not bothered but um, <laughs> the, uh, you say that but you know, <laughs> you know um, he, he was really, really you know he really outstanding yesterday and I just think his form at the moment is helping all those players in front of him and giving these in this new six role, most of that sort of midfield and attack are generally in front of him. Uh, he, he's given them licence to perform as they are doing and uh, anyone who was you know, critical of Jordan Henderson last season and you know, we, we all know it wasn't his finest season, we all know why it wasn't uh, you know, burdened by injuries and everything else, but uh, his form this year has been... Absolutely superb. I think, to, sorry, just like quickly as well, credit to Klopp for that because I'm not, I don't know about anyone else here, but I didn't see Judd Henderson being a number six. Okay. Oh, Henderson you had to go one. there, didn't you? You had to mention you, the numbers game, numbers the old numbers game. We decided no one used the phrase number six in yeah. previous podcasts <laughs> until Jurgen Klopp arrived in, in England. But I think it's true, isn't it? Because yeah. it's, it's just what he says. It's, you know, that, that, he's not a defensive midfielder, he's not a holding midfielder, it's just it, it works, the number six. And it is it, it is sort of a it's a, it's a, it's a cop rhetoric, isn't it? But it works because it, it is a bit of a different position, and I think anyone's ever seen at Liverpool before because his his role isn't to just sit; it, it's also to get forward and and dictate for, from a higher position. He's not like an Alonso, he's not like a Mascherano. It's it's a, it's it's almost like a hybrid of those two of those two roles. And I wouldn't have had him pegged down as that sort of player, but Klopp didn't. It, it's, it's Alon, Alonso Carano then. Alonso that, Carano. That's what it would be. You yeah. could go through the team, can you? It's the same with you know. I, I must admit, I agree with Christian. When when he moved Henderson into that position, I thought, no, no, that's that is not Henderson's strength. You know, he's he's all about bursting beyond defenders and and using that athleticism further forward. Um, but you know, Klopp has blown out of the water. Same with Milner. You know, back in the summer, everyone's saying. 
you know, how, how reckless it is not to go into the, the season with a new left back on board. How can you expect Milner to do a job there? Thought he was absolutely brilliant again yesterday. Showed why why he got the nod to come straight back in in place of Moreno. Um, and you know, there's other examples. Lucas Lever. You know, who else? You know, saw the team sheet yesterday and thought, well, how come he's playing ahead of Ragnar Klavan? But I think, it, I think it was just you, James. No, 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 no I think I think a lot of fans, a lot of people on my Twitter timeline were moaning about it an hour before the game. But I think it shows just how much Klopp values Lucas's input and, and experience as well, because. You know, it, again, there's another player there who, you know, a, a centre back, all his, uh, a centre midfielder, all his career suddenly now made into a centre back, and he's Liverpool's third choice there, and he and he showed why because you know he's so comfortable in the ball on the ball, and you know you can always go through the team every, every you know Klopp has this so far this season he's had the Midas touch in terms of big decisions he's made that people have maybe looked and thought I'm not sure about that, they, they've all come off. I, mean, I just want to go back to Jordan Henderson for a second because. You know, Christian mentions didn't think he could play in this number six position. We'll let you have that, by the way. Um, you've just mentioned then his athleticism, and we've mentioned in the past about his ability to run past play, but it's never been about his ability to shoot, his ability to pass the ball, his technical ability. No one really ever spoke about that when they were talking about Jordan Henderson. But if you look at where he's playing now, the, the through balls that he's playing through, and the fact that awful, an awful lot of them are first-time ones, because he knows that the players have got the pace in front of him to get onto them. So he's seeing it, seeing the pass, and then being able to execute it straight away, which I think perhaps you feel as though Henderson's been undervalued in the past as an actual footballer, as opposed to somebody who runs around a lot. I think, I think he's got better, Ian, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't, I don't think we've undervalued him. We felt he needed to get better at what we thought was his strength. Uh, I think I've mentioned before, you know, as James has uh, alluded to, you know, that ability to go box to box and arrive late in the box and score... His problem, we thought, was that he's not get he's not scoring enough of those chances, and so we were always looking at his his um, scoring and assists, and wanting them to to go up a little bit, a little bit like Lalana, but perhaps not not quite as much focus on it because of where they played. Um, but I I think in in putting him in this sort of six pivot position, Henderson is getting better at learning exactly what he should be doing on the pitch. He's seeing the whole pitch in front of him, which helps in terms of those. You know that pass he did, um, the one against Leicester, wasn't it? And then the one, one for Firmino last week for, for, uh, against Swan. Um, Palace. We played last week. Palace, 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 wasn't it? Yeah, I mean it was absolutely. Those are two brilliant passes. One over the top, one on the ground. It's the weight of them that's superb. They're so easy to overhit those because they're straight balls, aren't they? And those are the ones that skip through to the keeper or the byline. So Henderson's improved because of because of where he's been asked to play and having a real definition to his position. Uh, Alan Shearer, who's a man who knows a bit about playing in a number nine position, was on Match of the Day last night, and he was talking about Firmino, and he was saying that this was a game where, you know, in the past where he's been flitting around and he's shown versatility with with Mane and uh, and Coutinho up top. This was one where he was a game where he kind of stuck in the centre and everything came in off him. And Christian, I mean, he was talking about this was like almost like a more like a normal number nine role. I think that was a, a reaction to the the three at the back for the start. I think that shows you just how much Klopp is planning game by game. I think that shows you that basically if if, if the, the front three of the players they've been playing lately in terms of all moving around or floating around, you've basically got three centre-backs up against three attackers then. And it's a chance that they could get isolated, they could go man-to-man. And, and if Lalana and Chan aren't joining in along with the full-backs. And I think that's sort of what happened in the first 15 minutes. I think that's... I think Liverpool basically had to suss out how to play against this three-man defence. 
And I think that the, the solution to that was basically Firmino holding there because what happened then, no doubt Mazzari would have been selling his, his, his defenders. These are going to be moving all over the place, so you've got to be, you know, make sure you're moving as well. Um, if Firmino's sitting there um, as a, you know, as this sort of traditional number nine with the two sort of going wide and coming in, that that just creates a, a different sort of chaos. If you see what I mean, it gives it that focal point. It almost gives Watford too many defenders. If that makes sense, there was three centre backs there, and and none of them knew really knew what they were meant to be doing. If they're all moving round, one can go right. Well, I'm with Firmino, and I'll go wherever he goes. And I'm with, but with him staying there, sort of, you know, twenty yards out back to goal or whatever. That sort of complicated things because the others didn't really know. Well, he's not really moving around. So what, what, what do I do with, with, with Manny? What do I do with Coutinho? And that's where you sort of I think you saw Liverpool start to to really go in, grow into the game. There was a few more direct balls. I mean, I haven't had a look at the stats in terms of passes, but it certainly felt like there was a few more direct balls that would sort of come to Firmino's head or to his chest, and and he sort of spring a bit of a counter attack with Mane or Coutinho. Um, Supporting him, and and that felt like a real intentional move by Klopp. I don't think it, I think that was certainly design rather than the than luck or a, a chance. James, I'm going to have to mention the goalkeeper, Loris Carius. We've spoken about him quite a few times in in recent weeks, but yesterday we actually had a proper save to make, and by all accounts, he looked a lot better, more comfortable, and I think the defenders looked more comfortable around him as well. Definitely, yeah. By far and away, Loris Carius's best afternoon in a Liverpool shirt. Um, you know, for long periods of the game. You know, he, he he wasn't neat required, but you know, I think it was it was mainly from I think it was from five nil onwards where not surprisingly Liverpool's standards just slipped a little and the um and you know suddenly he was getting absolutely bombarded from all angles and um you know w- one thing we've talked about previously was just the lack of saves he's had because of the protection in front of him but that wasn't the case yesterday for a ten fifteen minute spell where he pulled off two or three excellent saves you know decent decent punches coming for crosses commanded his box better looked more comfortable certainly couldn't be blamed at all for for the goal that did go past him um and yeah it was you know that was that was important for him because i know people will point to the lack of clean sheets but you know i think that's pretty much an irrelevance when when you've got the firepower this liverpool team have got um but they do need a keeper who's confident and feels at home in his surroundings and I think that'll be a big step forward for Carries. I'm going to mention the T word now sorry everybody which is the title obviously Jurgen Klopp after the game said something on the lines that if it was after 11 games if you're talking about the title then you yeah, I'm, I'm sorry away. you need your head checks yeah. Also. Yeah. I think yeah. he, he's, he's turned doubters into believers and he wants yeah. to turn them back into doubters <laughs> again now because <laughs> <laughs> the, t- the title's come up yes uh, but you know some of us do other things me and Christian and we well I was at Everton on Saturday I saw Chelsea play Chelsea absolutely annihilated Everton if you think back it was only a couple of weeks ago that Liverpool were were easily beating Chelsea, even if the scoreline suggested slightly otherwise. But Chelsea were, I have to admit, Chelsea were very good. They've certainly come on in the last couple of weeks. John Motson was uh, speaking after the game, and he he reckons that it was the best Premier League performance he's ever seen, which surpassed anything by Arsenal's Invincibles or the many titles Manchester United have won. And he even seemed to suggest that it was even better than Liverpool's 5-0 victory over Nottingham Forest in '88, which, to be fair to him... For a long time, he's held that up as the best club performance he's seen. Now he reckons that that was better. What's your take on that, Andrew? Well, what I'd like to say is, is uh, <laughs> we better not. But um, I mean, 
also in that little bit on on BBC Radio, Motti said, "If this game, if that Chelsea Everton game had been on uh, live telly, we'd be talking <laughs> yeah. about it for three weeks." Pretty well, sure it was. On yes, TV. John, it was live on yeah, TV. He hasn't got beat it. No. And we're not, uh, and we're not talking about it He's for the next alone. three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, have to say, you know, cards on the table. I only saw the highlights of the um, of the Everton Chelsea game. I mean, I thought the keeper threw in too. The first one, particularly well, I mean, from Hazard. The thing is, Everton weren't particularly great, but Chelsea. This isn't the first time they did yeah. United four 0 the other week. They yeah. did easily one at Southampton, which is never an easy place to go to. Not suggesting they're not in good form. I think they've won their last five or mm. six Premier League games. So, and massive fan of Conte. I think he he's one of those opposition managers. Think a bit like Klopp, where um, difficult to dislike him. Difficult yeah. to dislike him. Good. Great yeah, hair. Just, Great hair. If he was your manager, you'd be more, you'd be made up with him. Yeah. He's not as good as our manager, but you'd be made up with him. And um, so I've got no problem with the suggestion that Chelsea are, you know, to use your phrase, in the T race, and uh, absolutely, and better <laughs> than most. But uh, I mean, I, I still think whoever finishes above Man City wins the title. Uh, I very much hope that can be can be the Reds, but uh, Chelsea are are in the mix more than for me. The likes of a, you know, obviously a United, and I think we'll see the same old from Arsenal again. So I do see Chelsea as probably being the the, the second threat to to a Liverpool challenge, uh, with Man City still um, still the number one threat and still still favourites um, with the bookies. Albeit, um, you know, the the gap between Liverpool and and City in the title betting. Is is very narrow now. One's nine to four. One's eleven to four. Um, now we know the bookies don't get it right every time. Hence the five thousand to one available on Leicester last year. But um, you know they tend. There's a reason why there's three betting um, counters and just one for payout. They tend to they tend to know what they're doing. So that tells you everything you need to know. And as for Motti, I mean most Liverpool fans remember. You you were old enough to have been there, Ian, but um, I wasn't. But I remember watching on the telly, and it was you know it was a display of everything. You, you weren't old with. enough, or you weren't there. I, you know, I, I was sixteen. <laughs> okay, so um, I wasn't there, um, but you know, remember watching it uh, on that night on on Sports Night or whatever it was, and it was absolutely stupendous. And uh, I just think John. Motson has got a wee bit carried away with that Chelsea performance. Christian, do you agree with Andy in terms of who's in what we are now going to call the T-race? Do you see Chelsea as being the main competitor to City and Liverpool, who seem, at the moment at least, to be the the two favourites? I, I think I'll go along with that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily discount United, but I think I'm going to discount United. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that a historical thing at the time, in, in terms of they surely must get better at some They point? surely must get better, but at the same time, Mourinho's form over the past 38 games is relegation form so you know I get the impression he's given up I, I, I just I, it's mad coming it, it, from yeah, yesterday yeah, yeah. having to go at players who weren't fit to play it now wouldn't surprise you if he was if he went do you know what I mean in some I think he's some sort of Dickensian or Shakespearean tragic character now isn't he, he Just he, I think he believes his own hype and, and He's just he's destined to, to, to live, just, live in a hotel. Yeah, exactly. Very, it's just Patrick S. Very Patrick hard, S. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just odd, doesn't it? Because you think surely that's the lift they've wanted. Surely you've got to make it a positive and try and give everyone a lift. And he's moaning about what was it, Smalling and Luke Shaw, and, yeah. and not playing playing through the pain barrier. And you just think he, he's a, he, you know he's he's usually quite, you know, fancies himself as a master, doesn't he? At using the media and. And all the rest of it, but I, I thought that was a bizarre thing to come out with. And I, I agree with Christian. I don't. I, I think 
United won't be anywhere near. But I think it's a five-horse race. I think I, I five. Are you counting Tottenham in that? Yeah, as I'm well. counting Tottenham. Yeah, because yeah, I think that they they're a really good team and they don't. The only lack beaten of, sides. Don't? Yeah, the lack, lack of goals is their problem, but they very you know they don't but concede many. Harry Kane's Tottenham. not been playing, has he? Yeah, and Ke- yeah, Kane Tottenham being back. Um, very much for me like a Liverpool 08-09. Yeah, um, and obviously they, they went Liverpool went eight or nine went very close, but I think they're going to draw too many games. They've already drawn more than they've won, and I know they're not losing, but if, if you look at it that way, you know they're already what five points behind Liverpool, which is I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I think I'd rank them as sort of fourth, and then sorry fifth, and then I think Arsenal hopefully are going to Arsenal, and that's you know death taxes in Arsenal being Arsenal. And then yeah, I think it's I think it's Liverpool, City, and Chelsea. I, I think the one thing I'm clinging on to in terms of Chelsea is that the four the the three four three can get found out. And I think Liverpool found that out under Brendan Rodgers. I think it works very very well for a while. And I think ultimately, once a team cracks it, it becomes evident how you play against it. And I think it was Van Gaal, wasn't it, at Anfield who, who said, right, this is how you play against four three four three. Um, and then once that happened, they sort of enlightened everybody in terms of, oh, right, why, why weren't we doing that in the first place? And then that, that started the rot, which ultimately, I suppose, cost Brendan his job. Um, the other thing as well, which is crazy to say this, coming from the history that Liverpool and Chelsea have had, but Liverpool's bench just looks a lot stronger now. They've got Batshuayi. If Costa gets an injury, they've got Batshuayi, who's, who's an unknown entity in the league, and that's about it. If... if, if if uh, Hazard gets injured, who have they really got? And yes, I know you could say if Coutinho and Firmino and uh, these players get injured, but at the same time, the way Klopp trains them and, and the way he's got them playing, you could happily see Origi move in there, you could happily see Sturridge move in there and, and the style of play wouldn't change, whereas with Chelsea, it's a lot more of an individualistic uh, setup. I think he's playing well and great respect to him, but somewhere in the back of my mind is a thought... Victor Moses can't be in the side that's <laughs> no, challenging no. for the title. And, uh, that right wing back as well. He was three years ago. Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. He, 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 yeah and it, was his, it was his fault that he didn't win <laughs> well, it. Let's I mean, not go back to but that I, again. But uh, yeah, I think we need... you, Along with John Motson, you were a man who was at Anfield in 88 and were around Stamford Bridge on Saturday. So I think we need your definitive version on which was the I best, think you have to bear in mind that at the time, Nottingham Forest were the second best team in in England and a couple of days before Liverpool had played Forest in a cup semi-final which had been a very tight game Liverpool had won 2-1 and then literally a couple of days later they just wiped the floor with them and Forest had beaten them a couple of weeks yeah, before yeah that's right so you're saying Motson was talking out of his backside um, I am not saying that I'm saying that perhaps he needs to yeah yeah basically I am yeah. I am saying that I'm trying to think of something funny to say funny enough go, I, go I back to Moses by the way it's a good it's a good situation for Liverpool uh, I mean obviously Chelsea can buy in January and whatnot, but Victor Moses basically he's created this system now, and and the only player who can play there is Victor Moses. So and all right, he's playing well at the moment, but Victor Moses is going to mess up eventually. He's going to do something absolutely. You sound like Victor Moses. (laughs) (laughs) Victor Moses is the only player playing that position. I'm not convinced of that. And he will mess up at some point. In in, in the the squad, Ivanovic can't play. If he plays Ivanovic, good luck to Ivanovic. I think I'm faster than Ivanovic. Exactly, he can't play there. So they they have to up until January. They're gonna if they're gonna carry on with this this system. For, as far as I can see, he might be able to play William, but I'm not sure. I think he prefers him as a, one of the floaters behind, uh, <laughs> behind Costa. Um, with Moses, he's the only one. He's pretty much nailed that down, and I don't think he's good enough long term. So 
there's the possibility that he, he throws a couple in. Right, that's enough jocularity for now. I've got one final question. Certain Steven Gerrard is now, looks like he could be a free agent with the LA Galaxy out of the MLS. Uh, it looks like he's, I think he's already said he's not going to sign another contract. So, he's how old he now? 35? 36? He's one of those two. He's 36, actually. Six, yeah. He's 36. He's going to be coming back to Merseyside. You're Jurgen Klopp. What do you do, Andy? Well, we know they've had discussions. We know Klopp said Steven Gerrard will be more welcome than you could ever imagine back at Liverpool. He's one-off, or if not, you know, the greatest player the, players the club have ever had. There has to be a position for him for me. I can understand some people would be worried that Steven Gerrard arriving might in some way inhibit some of the current team. Obviously, Gerrard is a massive personality uh, in, in terms of the football club and a massive figure in the football club. I don't think that would happen. I think this current team are showing what they can do on the pitch. And But I do think Gerrard would be particularly brilliant at bringing some young players on. Because you saw Ovi Ajaria come on for his Premier League debut yesterday, getting that back heel in, in the, involved in the sixth goal. I could see someone like Steven Gerrard being in Trent Alexander-Arnold's ear regularly, telling him, look, I did this. It wasn't a great idea. You know, you want to go do it this way. I could see that being a massive help to bring on the lads from the academy and push them uh, further towards the first team. And once they start to play in the first team, no one is, you know, knows better than Gerrard how that starts to feel, the pressures you'll be under and the sort of times when you need a word in your ear. And obviously, technically, you know, we've seen Liverpool improve on set pieces, for instance, uh, over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, you, you could bring Steven Gerrard in just to um, set, you know, help us with set pieces. We weren't always brilliant in his time, to be fair, but, you know, he, he knows how to take a free kick, etc. We've got a few who are decent, but there has to be a role for Steven Gerrard. I wouldn't worry at all about it upsetting uh, any sort of equilibrium there at the moment. Klopp's too big a personality, I think. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think there's no negatives or any risk of anything being damaged or anything from Steven Gerrard coming back to Liverpool. It would only be only be positive having him around. You know, you get that. You know, Emre Chan was talking about Steven Gerrard. I was doing an interview with him last week and you know, and how much he learnt from having someone like him around. So it would only be be positive. I think I think the the important thing from Gerard's perspective now, when he's went up his options, after obviously disappointing end to his spell in the MLS with that penalty shootout defeat to Colorado. I think you know, he's always said that he he doesn't want just a token position at Liverpool. You know he doesn't want you know, just to be like a, a figurehead or an ambassador or whatever and 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 help out occasionally on the training field. It would have to be a proper job, and I think I think that's probably the challenge for Klopp finding a role that will that will really satisfy him and, and and get the best out of him because obviously you know he's got his backroom staff which is all very settled um you know possibly a role starting off at the academy you know that would be be massive for for Alex Inglethorpe and his staff if they could have Steven Gerrard on board um I suppose the other thing he's got to think about at the moment is is whether he definitely does want to hang up his his boots as well because you know he 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 would 100% be you know be handed loads of different offers at the moment from clubs across Europe um, if he does want to keep playing for another twelve months, so I think that'll be that'll be the other thing he's thinking about at the moment. But you no, know, I hope you know the, the sooner he's back at Liverpool, the, the, the better, because 
Liverpool will be a better club for having him around. Kristen, are you looking forward to writing lots of Liverpool transfer rumour stories about Gerard coming back over the next few weeks? Absolutely cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he will come back? I wouldn't like to say, to be honest, that I don't know is the simple answer to that. Um, I think he should. Um, although I do, I would also, I wouldn't begrudge him, uh, you know, heading say to Celtic to to have a nice, you know, season with with uh, Brendan Rodgers up in Glasgow. You know what I mean? And just 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 sort of playing in front of a big crowd like that week in week out again. Um, I ultimately, I mean, nobody knows what Gerard would be like as a coach um, or, or a manager. But ultimately, I think he's got to come into Liverpool. And I think a very tentative end game is that Steven Gerrard becomes manager of Liverpool one day. I genuinely think that's what it should be. I think we all know that Jurgen Klopp's not the type of manager who's going to be here for the long, long, long term. He's not an Alex Ferguson. He's not going to be here for 25 years. And you wouldn't expect his backroom team to 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 stay stay. any further than than Klopp, would they? Mm -hmm. They all come as a package, don't they? So let's say he sees out the six years in his contract. I think seven years will probably be the source of... Klopp seems the type of manager who likes that symmetry, so 7-7-7. Say he sees out seven years for, for, for Liverpool. Who knows where Liverpool could be at that point? Who knows where they are in world football and, and what sort of manager they could attract to? You know, they're still very much an ideal world. Hopefully we've got a couple of titles and a few Champions Leagues in the back pocket at this point. But the ultimate aim for me, should, or, or at the moment, uh, a, a lovely you know end to this story would be Klopp steps down, you know, sort of waves goodbye, everyone has to goodbye on the pitch, and then... Stephen Gerrard is, is primed and ready to take over as manager of the football club. How about Stephen Gerrard returns to Liverpool in January as a player slash coach, and then when Liverpool are about to win the league, he makes a few sub appearances at the end and gets his medal? I think he'd be happy enough being part of a coaching. I know you're only joking in, but I wasn't joking actually. Well, well, you, well I think you need is it thirteen or fourteen? No, it's changed. It's cha- no, it's less than that. I'm sure it's changed. I think it might only be five. I think. I don't. I don't think Stephen has accepted. I don't. I think no. Stephen would want to be. He wouldn't want right, it to be central like, to yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not a yeah. goodbye story. He's got the Beatles. He would get as much pleasure for me uh, if he was playing a, you know, an active role in the coaching staff. How fantastic would it be? Would it be to see, you know, Gerard coming onto the, the pitch at the end? If the lads, you know, touch wood and all those things, massively long way to go and all that. But where to to be part of a coaching staff, which. Uh, help deliver the title, fantastic. That's the you know, next best thing to play in. In terms of finding a club, I just wonder every time I turned on the MLS and the Galaxy were on, he was never in the team. He He'd was been injured. Um, and I just, he seems to have become more injury prone and you just wonder if he's got it in his legs anymore. And I think if you're not massively starring in the MLS, I'm not sure what level that puts you at over here. And we know what a fantastic player he's been, but your legs are your legs, they ultimately go. And I know you're a, a long time retired, but for me, Steven Gerrard's probably done enough in the game. And now to be that whole player-coach thing you outlined, I think that would be a disaster because that is a distraction. Gerrard coming in, we, we don't need Steven Gerrard as a player. He's not good enough anymore to play for Liverpool. He isn't. You know That's why he went to the Galaxy. Andrew Kelly there, the voice of reason. I'll make a note of the year. Right, that should do us then. Uh, join us for our next podcast in which we will talk about the international break. You all looking forward to that, everybody? We love it. Cheerio.